This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? I trust so. Bless your heart. If you suck a rough day, remember, look up and say, Lord Jesus, see me through this one, and he will. You don't have to blow up or give up or cave in or anything else. You can go on through triumphantly. Thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. Under pressure, you become God's perfume as you trust him to see you through. Looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, he said, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Suffer is a fact. You have troubles. You have troubles that come to everybody. That's human nature troubles. And you have troubles that come because you're a Christian. That's persecution troubles. He says, suffer according to the will of God. You're in the will of God, even though circumstances seem to be painful or contrary or discouraging. Remember, you are somebody. God cares about you, and he has plans for you. He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a desired end. And the wise man said, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And the psalmist said, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And so we have ample evidence, haven't we, to realize that despite circumstances, the will of God involves a definite plan for our lives. And so there's a reaction then to that will. He says, let them commit their souls, commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing. Let me stop here long enough to remark on the fact that, that Peter didn't say bodies. He said souls. Why? Because your soul and spirit, the spiritual part of you, will, will still be alive a million years from now. You'll have a resurrection body. You won't be a disembodied spirit after the resurrection. You'll have a resurrection body, but the real you will be alive a million years from now. Identifiably you. And so he says, commit the keeping of their souls unto him in well-doing. Give some thought committing the undying, eternal part of your life to your Lord. That, I mean, is the inside life. That's the private life. That's the down deep in your heart life. That's the life that involves your feelings and emotions and your will, your conscience and your aims and your hopes and your disappointments and your failures and your guilts and your victories, all of the things that involve the real you, he said, that is what's going to last for all eternity. You better let God have control of that. You want to give some thought about that in your own life? Oh, it does seem to me that so much of our time is taken up in non-eternal things. Corinne and I were just coming home from an event uh, the other day, and uh, I said to her, you're quiet. Are you upset? Oh, no. She said, I was just thinking, there's so much that we have to do that doesn't seem eternal. Boy, that was, that was putting it right on the, on the mark, wasn't it? There's so much that we have to do that doesn't seem eternal. 
Well, beloved, I don't suppose there's any substitute for doing the dishes or mopping the floor or diapering the baby or carrying out the garbage or budging the budget or selling a product. All of these things are non-religious. I know that. And the directive we have from God is whatsoever you do, do it heartily is for the Lord and not just for people. So that even routine can be glorified, as I've often told you, routine can be glorified if you do the routine things for Jesus. But I'm talking about the things that are discretionary uses of time and strength. You can make a decision about many things. And I think you and I would benefit tremendously if we'd give some thought to spending a little more time and effort on matters that are eternal. You want to put that in the notebook of your mind and sort of mull it over from time to time? He said, Keep, commit the keeping of their souls. Let God start to run that part of your life that involves eternity. And, as a result, everything else will line up, I assure you. Interesting, isn't it, how the details of life line up when you get your heart right? I have often said, jokingly, that when revival comes to a campus, the beds get softer and the food gets better and the rules get more uh, easy to follow. Strange how things and circumstances seem to change when my heart has been made tender toward the will of God. But that's how it is. Commit the keeping of their souls. Now it says to him, in well-doing. Do you realize that eternal matters are inextricably linked with daily conduct? Eternal matters are inextricably... <laughs> I stumbled over that as a nice big word, and I was going to enjoy it. <laughs> yes, you can laugh at me. Inextricably. I got it. They are linked. Eternal matters are linked with everyday affairs. Now here's an illustration from Scripture. You know the story of, of the beggar whose name was Lazarus. Very name means beggar. And the rich man who fared, it says, sumptuously every day. He was clothed in purple, that's the royal color, and he had everything that he wanted. And there was a, a beggar that sat at the gate of his house begging and longing to be fed some of the garbage, the scraps that fell from the table. That was the picture that our Lord painted. And so the days went on, and finally Lazarus died. It says we were carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, which is a euphemism for what we would call heaven. And he says the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes and beheld Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. And he cried out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now what did Abraham say in this story that our Lord Jesus told? He said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime hadst thy good things, likewise Lazarus his evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented, and beside all this between us there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from us to you cannot, and neither can they pass from thence, and so on. You remember that story that the Lord Jesus told? What's the point of it? What happened on a Wednesday as the rich man had his prime rib, standing uh, rib roast of beef and his mashed potatoes and his fresh peas and his jello salad and his apple pie and all the rest, you know. 
Ah, boy, he was enjoying it. What happened on a Wednesday while he was enjoying things and while Lazarus had an empty stomach and was longing for just some scraps to keep body and soul together registered in terms of eternity. Commit their souls to him in well-doing. The ordinary things you do, day after day, have an eternal significance because they are all involved in the working out of God's plan and purpose for your life. Oh, that shakes me up. You wonder why I stopped there for a moment. I was thinking about it in terms of Bob Cook. What you and I do day by day affects eternity. Their souls in well-doing to him. Now, what does it mean, well-doing? Well, that that takes in the whole gamut of, of good things. We are his workmanship, you read in Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk, that means live every day, in them. Paul said to Titus, let our people remember to maintain good works so they'll have a good testimony toward people that are unsaved. Doing good things. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed, said the psalmist. Now, what does it mean to do good works? Are you going around being what we call a traditional do-gooder, making a a crusade of it so that you're kind of a nuisance to everybody? No. I think it's far simpler than that. When you see a need, meet it. You get go next door to, to, to visit your neighbor and find out that she's sick, down in bed with the flu, and the baby is crying and needs a... That little chassis needs a a removable seat cover, and there's a stack of dirty dishes in the sink. What do you do? Well, you take care of the baby, you wash the dishes, and then you go home and you make a pot of hot soup and bring it over for lunch and feed that sick lady something that'll strengthen her. That's good works. Don't wait to be asked. Just go ahead and meet the need, and don't wait to be thanked. A psychiatrist in charge of a large hospital many years ago, this would be back in the 1930s, many years ago, the psychiatrist in charge of a large mental hospital told me straight out that many of his patients were there because they were longing for somebody to appreciate them and thank them and and uh, notice them, and nobody did. Well, I don't know how accurate that appraisal may have been. I'm not a medical man myself. I only know that's what he said. He said, most people go through life hoping to be appreciated, and they don't. And there are some people who just can't stand it, and they're here. Sad, isn't it? Well, just don't expect to be thanked. If somebody thanks you, that's an extra bonus. Don't expect to be thanked or paid. Jesus said, when you do good, don't expect people to pay you back. Do good things for people that can't pay you back, and you'll get a reward in heaven. That's what Jesus said. In well-doing. What, what does it mean to do good things? It means to meet needs where you see them. It means to encourage people when they're discouraged. It means to notice people when they're lonely and devastated. It means to help people when they're carrying a burden too heavy for them. 
Yes, it may mean just a cry with somebody when his heart is breaking. See the need and meet it for Jesus' sake. See, commit their souls to God in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Who made things? Who's the creator? John 1, all things were made by him, the Lord Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. And so what you're actually doing is to meet the needs of people for the sake of your blessed living Lord. The creator, yes. The redeemer, yes. Your high priest and coming king, yes. The one who has a perfect plan for your life, yes. The one who can take you through trials. See, this verse started by the word suffer. The one that can take you through suffering in a way that will glorify him and meet the needs of others. I'll finish this verse up the next time that we get together, God willing. It's good stuff, isn't it? My, how it shakes up my own heart to visit with you as we look over the word of God. Father, today help us to do good things in the light of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.